0: I've got a prayer I like to pray, you see, and so I'm going to get in, um, and it's a prayer I found from uh, Celtic, have you come across Celtic Daily Prayer, this is a Northumbering the community, they have these beautiful prayers, it's a, it's a prayer that's about calling heaven to earth, actually, so I'm going to pray that, because you, you, you may or may not be in the zone, but today's Advent Sunday, which is kind of, the, the, the church's New Year, really, oh, Advent candles, there we are, we're already ahead, um, and um so for me, Advent's a bit about like that little tiny light, which is a taste of the heavenly vista that is ahead. So I'm going to pray that for us. So would you come down, O most powerful Holy Spirit, and subdue us from heaven, where the ordinary is made glorious, and glory is but ordinary. Would you open our eyes to see the wonderful truths in your words? And would you bathe us with the brilliance of your light, like dew? Amen. Amen. So I chose this passage um, because for me it's like a little glimpse of that heavenly reality. I don't know if you've been to the cinema recently. Uh, My my boys like going to cinema. But you get a bit of a taste, don't you, of lots of little trailers. Um, And In fact, it's very good at the cinema at the moment for me. There's so many trailers to catch up with that you can arrive late and still be on time for the film. Have you discovered this? So you watch trailer after trailer after trailer. Of the tasters hev- of what is to come, and I think today um, is a day about seeing those tasters of what is to come in the heavenly realms, and this is a beautiful passage, which I think has been a bit of a theme passage for, for you as a church, um, is, is that right? Um, uh, yes. yes, ish, 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 ish. so it's on your, it's on your window, and there's gonna be cards I think you're going to be given in a minute, so I'm going, that's why I picked it, because it felt like a bit of a theme for you. So, in this passage from Revelation 22, there's two things that the end time is not, and I'm going to highlight some things that it is. And it's interesting, um, uh, to sometimes the Bible's quite clear um, about what it's not, almost to give us a clearer picture of what things can be, if that makes sense. Um, so, it is not, here we are. The angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as a crystal flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. Down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river, stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. So, heaven that is coming will have no curses. That's not a word that's very much in at the moment, is it? Um, it's not a very much word in our vocabulary. But cur- the, the, the scripture is full of curses. That makes sense of what happens when we're kind of disobedient to God. Um, it comes out of the place that we, we, our words have power, don't they? If God created the world by, um, by speaking. Actually, the words we have... Um, the words we speak can have, can have power. And they can have power for darkness as well as light. And maybe you, maybe you know that even from your own story, um, things that have been said over you that um, have kind of stayed with you. This, here's, here's one for me which I will share publicly. I don't think I've shared this before, but I remember I started a new school when I was eight. And this girl said to me, you've got a really funny nose. And um, No one's ever said that to me since, but I have realized that most of my adult life I've got a thing about my nose, which I've actually had prayer for recently, because I'm never going to be on the cover of Hello magazine, but I, I want to just maintain that my nose isn't too terrible. But it's just that sense that sometimes these words stick with us, don't they? There's that children's uh, rhyme in the playground that we used to have in the, certainly when I was growing up in the 1970s. This was the anti-bullying policy, where it said, uh, if someone hurts you in the playground, you're supposed to say, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And um, that was how you were supposed to defend yourself. But actually, words do stay with you, really. Um, and um, it's interesting, there'll be no more curses. There'll be no more negative things said. And it might just be worth um, the Holy Spirit's brilliant at bringing these things to light, but if you've experienced kind of negative patterns and cycles in your life, um, uh, in, in health, in finances, in uh, kind of, you know, you, accident prone, all sorts of things like that, sometimes it can be because dark things have been said over you. And the amazing thing is that the blood of Jesus, the power that he brings on the cross can break those no problems at all. And I, I, feel this quite, I felt this quite keenly, actually, walking into church as well, because in Lancaster, um, it's been a city of, uh, of judgment, hasn't it, um, if you know through the history. It's been a place where judgments have been made, um, sometimes not always good judgments. You're opposite, opposite the church is the Pendle Witch Pub. Um, my heart breaks for those 12 women who were condemned to death in 1611, 1611, 1614, about that time. Now, I think they were, they, they were sort of scapegoats for a kind of a national political um, story. I don't think they were, they, I'm not confident they were witches, if you read some of the history. Um, the gunpowder plot um, was exposed in 1608. Uh, we need someone to blame. Let's blame somebody in the north. Let's blame, Oh, let's blame some Catholics in the north. Oh, let's blame some women. And actually, if you read the trial, actually quite dark stuff was said over these poor women, and I just wonder whether that's had an effect on us as a city. Um, and the power of Jesus, that his blood can change um, and, and act in the opposite direction. I loved it that here we see the river of the water of life flowed out from the city. What if the river of the water of life flowed out of St. Tees, out of our lives, out of our hearts, and washed away some of those dark words that have been spoken over people's lives, over our churches, over our city. What if that was part of his plan, even tonight? So there'll no longer be any curse. The other thing that won't be any longer is uh, this is verse four um, they will see his face, and his name will be in their foreheads. There will be no more nights. No more nights. That sounds quite good at this time of year. And I don't know about you, but I find November a bit dreary. It's um, it's still dark. It's not quite Christmas. Um, it seems to be dark by about quarter past four, doesn't it? At the moment, I'm sure that's against the rules. I'm sure it sh- I'm sure it used to not be. I'm sure it used to be lighter for longer. Anyway, um, but darkness is not welcome, is it? Our, uh, it? it saps our spirits. But interestingly, the thing that happens in the dark is um, people are asleep. People, we go to sleep, don't we, in the dark? And I think there's an incredible sense in which our nation has been asleep for many, many years. Faith in our country has always gone through cycles. This is just the data, of if you look through our history. Um, And I'm interested to see, actually, quite an interesting waking up to faith that's going on in our nation at the moment. That's why I was asked um, asked to speak on the radio with Bishop Philip, because... All the data actually suggests that we're a nation that is really hungry for spiritual things. You couldn't help watching the Queen's funeral, how people responded to that. I don't know how you you found it in your circles, but people commented, didn't they, about the the rainbow over Buckingham Palace and over Windsor Castle around the time she died, and then the rainbow over Westminster um, just the day before the funeral. People were saying, these, you know, were these coincidences? Or were they something about God's the, the whole episode, um, you know, I don't know how you, uh, For me, the press, it was so easy to speak about Jesus at, at that time because so much of her life pointed to Jesus. When we had the Platinum Jubilee, people would speak about her. She's always here for us. She's our rock, our stay. As if they were speaking about Jesus. Because I think as a woman, she carried... Jesus so well. And so her, her life became such an easy testimony to, to Jesus. So I think there's an interesting waking up going on in our nation at this moment in time. Waking up from sleep. Waking up from sleep. A famous um, missionary called Leslie Newbingen, he returned from India um, in the 1970s and he said, Britain is covered in a blanket of unbelief. It's like we're, we forget that actually the stuff of scripture, the miracles, the healings, the people coming to faith—that that is quite normal through history. We've been in this kind of sleepy time where we're often quite cynical about these things. We, we, we seek a coincidence and think, oh, it's just a coincidence. I've um, I I've got, a, this is not, not mean to boast, I've got a PhD in chemistry, so a lot of my um, rational, all, all my training has been this mas- massive rationalistic training that actually doesn't always give um, space are really important things in life and um, the things of heaven, the things of faith. But actually, these things are more real than what we, what we see. So no more curses, no more nights. But instead, here's instead, this beautiful image. And it feels such a resonance for you here at St. Thies. The angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal. Flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. While on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Have you got a picture of this on, is it on screen? Someone always, is, will it come up on the screen? If not, no. Don't worry. That's all right No, no. Look, take one of these to come out and um, look on. Look on the image outside on the family centre. This beautiful image. I think this is something what God is calling you to in this next season. Often vacancies between vicars can be very. Um, uh, they can almost like lift lids. I think on, on 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 what God is wanting to do in a church family. And especially you, those of you who are students, actually, this is often such a key moment for you to kind of step into some of the gifts and callings that he's put in you, as he, as he, as he, as he kind of calls you out, really. But what if this, our family here at St. T's? what if our family of Christians across Lancaster um, became people where the river, the water of life, the spirit in our lives... Um, His living water was so um, kind of potent, um, like a a dam breaking, that wherever we went, something of his spirit and his life flowed, um, bringing life and healing, bringing life and healing. Beautiful image of trees being planted and healing of the leaves. We often write off, healing. And I'm going to write it back into our story, because um, just before lockdown, uh, me and Bishop Philip and the other um, Bishop, Bishop Julian, we, uh, we got talked into um, doing this Mark drama, um, which if you ever get a chance to do, it's really worth it. You, uh, We've got a fan in the front row. You've obviously done the Mark drama, where you basically act out um, Mark's gospel, don't you? But only using the words of Mark. And as bishops, we were, we, were, we were cast into quite... One of my colleagues, Julian, was the, the Pharisees. I was Pilate. <laughs> and Bishop Philip was Judas. So we, we, did get, we did get typecast in the nasty roles. Um, but for me, I just noticed like the balance of Scripture in a way I hadn't seen it before. I realized that it felt like Jesus came alive, got, like, more volume than I'd experienced before. And I realized, as a friend of mine once said, that Jesus had a PhD, okay, not a PhD in chemistry, in preaching, healing, and deliverance. And often we spend a lot of time te- talking about preaching, a little bit talking about healing, and hardly anything about deliverance. Whereas actually Jesus seemed to do it the opposite way around. He did a little bit of preaching, quite a lot of healing, and then even more about deliverance. And I'm really interested to notice that difference. And it feels like in this role, I've, I feel I've been coached into kind of starting to turn these things around. So at every moment, every opportunity, I will happily pray for healing for people. I really, I mean, I, both my parents have died of cancer, so I'm not, in, I'm not naive that sometimes prayers for, you don't actually see the cure of people's lives, but I do think God always answers prayers for healing, often in ways we can't always imagine. Sometimes supernatural, I've definitely, I've seen people, like eyes be healed again. I've seen um, people walk when they haven't been able to walk before. Um, That's more unusual in my experience, but I do think he always answers prayers for healing. And um, often his healing is so much more whole than we can possibly imagine. So one story, and I think I may have told this story here before. is about my mum, because she had cancer. And I went to see her, it's about 10 years ago now, around about Christmas, and when I got to the hospice that she was in in Manchester, um, because she'd, um, well, she was just really struggling, so when I got to the hospice, she said, you've got to come along the corridor with me to the chapel, I thought that is a really funny thing for my mum to say because she thought I'd been brainwashed by the church when I became a Christian when I was 11 and it, you know, it got worse and worse and worse as I, I used to work for an oil company and when I gave it up to train to be a vicar she thought, oh gosh, she's going even, even more do was how she put it. Um, anyway, so I went with her to the chapel and she said, I was here last night and I was asking God to make my back better because she had a bad back with a cancer. And she said, it was like Jesus was here, and he was telling me it's going to be okay. She said, that's what you've been t- trying to tell me all these years, isn't it? And I did not know what happened to her that night, but I do know that we came from a family of warriors, and if we could worry about something, we'd worry about it. And she approached her death on Easter Day, four months later, with an incredible sense of peace. So my mum wasn't healed. The cancer took her faster than the doctors even thought. But she encountered, I think, some healing and peace in a way that um, I've never um, never imagined. And it's interesting how Jesus noticed how people were also oppressed, oppressed by things of darkness and that this could happen to us. I think my family was quite oppressed by fear. We'd had a lot of bereavement in my family. And sometimes, at dark times, bereavement and points of trauma can be a landing pad for evil—that's my—that's my experience. It's very, Ephesians six talks about that. That's kind of landing path. It's natural to be afraid, isn't it? That's quite normal. It stops us getting run over, run over by a bus. But sometimes we end up living under high levels of fear. It's natural to be angry, but sometimes we end up living under high levels of anger. So it's natural to feel rejected. It's natural, you know, if you're in a new social circle to think, "Gosh, will I fit in?" But I notice some people live with high levels of rejection it's natural to fear illness isn't it that's what we you know we all want to be well but sometimes I see people living in quite high fear of death and my experience is that um, was Martin Luther said this Martin Luther was a famous teacher in the church um, 500 years ago and he said you can't stop the birds flying over your head but you can stop them nesting in your hair you can't stop fears flying over your head but you can stop them nesting in your hair. And if, like me and my family, you find you're living under high levels of fear, my experience is that Jesus has the power to bind up our fear and send it to the place He appointed. And in its place, release the opposite, which is His peace. He has the ability, He can, he can bind up our anger, if we're living under high levels of anger, and send it to the place where it came from, the pit of hell. And He can release um, patience. He can bind up rejection, um, that sense of not being wanted, not, not fitting in. And actually he can release his truth, the opposites, which were sons and daughters of the king. And he can bind up the fear of death. That's a speciality of his, because um, he conquered death. And he can release that hope um, that death doesn't have to be the end. And it may be you find yourself living under these things, and he, he, can, he can work to heal us, and I'll, I'll do some praying when I finish in a moment. But also, um, the other thing, so, so no more curses, no more nights, healing of um, the, this, the water of life, the spirit in our lives bringing healing, but also he, there will, they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, so there will be no more nights. They, need not, they will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light. That at the end times, he will show us. We'll see things as they really are. In Scripture, it talks about we see now through a glass dimly or a, a cloud dimly. I think sometimes it feels like we see through a bit of a fog, and we don't really see. You know, often the things of heaven are so much more real than the things we see here. And it may be that's something he wants to coach you into um, in your prayer times, um, to to ask him, Lord Jesus, would you bring your light? Would you show me how things really are? Would you uh, give me that faith that can almost see the realities of heaven as more real than the realities on earth? And through history, we've got some lovely writings from the saints who have um, almost spent so much time in prayer that the reality of, of the heavenly things become more real than the earthly things. So I'm just going to read a little quote from, this is a ninth, um, a ninth century, um, words of an old um, Irish homily, which I thought you might like. The kingdom which the saints and righteous strive for is a bright flower in its great purity. It is an open sea in its great beauty. It is a haven full of candles in its true brilliance. It is the eyes delight in its great loveliness and pleasantness. It is a flame in its fairness. It is a harp in its melodiousness. It is a feast in its abundance of wine. Blessed are all they who shall come into the kingdom where God himself is, a king, great, fair, powerful, strong, holy, pure, just, knowing, wise, merciful, loving, beneficent, old, young, wise, noble, glorious, without beginning, without end, without age, without decay, may we enter the kingdom of that king and dwell there unto the age of ages. Amen. So may, be, may this Advent Sunday he give you a tiny glimpse of His heavenly reality. He is, not, well, he, He's beyond our speaking, isn't He? He's beyond our imagining. He's beyond our PhDs and this, that, or the other. Um, but may He give us like hearts of faith to experience more of Him as a reality now, to see that kingdom that is to come that he, he delights to break into our present in the, in the current time now. And even in the really dark times, I noticed, that was one thing I noticed in the Mark's Gospel, is that the point of Jesus' glory, the point when people realized who he really was, was at the moment of his death. So I'm not bringing a sense of, oh, it's going to be all easy, or going to be all simple going forward. We, we still live on this side of the grave, so to speak. But even in the darkest times, even the times when we feel most forgotten, even in those most painful times—sometimes times we can't speak about—those can be times when we encounter, um, or almost, he, he invites us into his glory, which is opposite to what we ever imagine. So, just to land it this evening, I do want to just pray over some things I've been speaking about. Um, just to allow time for you for, I don't want to n- narrate or um, interpret what Jesus might want to be doing in your hearts tonight and in and, and the weeks to come so I said, is it Chris, would you mind and the band, would you mind just coming to play some quiet music is that alright? Um, just just allow it a bit of space um, he, he, is, he is here and he delights in you and just to be sure that none of you is it's is, is here by accident at all. There's always, um, how can I put it? He doesn't do coincidence. He doesn't do chance meetings. And he has so much, he's able to do emotionally more than we can ask or imagine. Um, may you come to this time kind of with an open heart, um, trusting in the one who, who conquered death, who can bind up evil, who can bring these realities into the now. And may that be something of what he does tonight in our hearts, in our city, on a university for his glory. So let's pray.